0: This episode of CrossPolitik is brought to you by this episode is. Uh, Gabe, I don't think we have anybody for this episode. You know, if you listen to Cross CrossPolitik and you want to advertise on our show, you should get this spot. You, you, you can get it at CrossPolitik.com. What's what? Huh? What, Gabe? Email us? Where? What email address? You didn't write it on the paper. I don't know if it's not on the paper, just like the person whose spot is supposed to be. I don't know who I'm...
1: Contact it? at crosspolitik Oh, now you want to pick up the mic. What,
0: what is it again?
1: Contact at CrossPolitik.com. Yeah, what,
2: what he said.
1: Contact at crosspolitics. Oh, now you're
2: going to gang up on me. What you want to say, Pastor? CrossPolitik begins in three, two, one.
0: I'm a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> is not
3: true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No
1: government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his Lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000
3: little
2: women every year. Oh, but that's, I didn't start it. Uh, uh, sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right, when the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back and they're slaughtered.
3: You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox.
1: Hello, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm here with Knox and Uh-oh. Pastor Toby. And I'm excited about this because we got a special guest on the show, which we'll get to in a second. But before that, I want to introduce our topic. We're going to solve all issues regarding church and race and no, everything. No, 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 not us. In this show. No, no.
0: We're going to do it. Dr. Dr. Lucas, Dr. Lucas is going to, Dr. Sean yeah, Lucas he's going to solve the world. He's going to help yeah, us.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Hey, Dr. Lucas, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We set the bar high.
2: There we go. He's going to solve all the problems, church and race, <laughs> in the next 40 minutes. Uh, Dr. Sean Michael Lucas has taught at RTS since uh, 2011, was elected chancellor's professor of church history in 2017 while Mm. continuing as senior minister of Independent Presbyterian Church. I don't know how you do that. How you do an independent... I don't know. We'll ask <laughs> yeah, you about that. We'll ask the best part of It's a paradox. It's like three in one, like the <laughs> that's Trinity. That's right. Yeah. Um, from Memphis, Tennessee, he graduated from Bob Jones University with a B.A. degree in pastoral studies in 1993, has an M.A. in the- theology and church history, 1994, and received a Ph.D. from Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia in historical and theological studies and the American Reformed tradition in 2000. 2000- wow he's previously served um in several other uh pca churches as um well as he was a faculty member and administrator at covenant theological seminary out of st louis yes um he and his wife sarah have four children all baptized Uh, i beat you to it i beat you to it (laughs) it we're pretty yeah pretty they're baptized. They're baptized. We know. I don't uh, know. That
1: independent, in that Presbyterian made me nervous.
2: Uh, all right. Are they baptized, Dr. Lucas? Uh, yes, they are. All right. i try to yeah. do that in order to be ordained. Yeah. No that, was yes, they're baptized. Yeah, that was close. <laughs> in, in your free time, it says you enjoy running and following your beloved St. Louis Cardinals. It's a pleasure to have you on Cross Politic. Welcome.
3: Thank you. Thanks to be with. You. Good to be with you.
2: Um, so, as you know, w- what we want to talk about today is um, what I think you've actually termed, Dr. Lucas, the lost legacy of Black Presbyterian. Mm. Um, and um, and I want to just kick things off first of all by kind of just questioning the the title a little bit. Um, why is race even a category that Christians should recognize or give special attention to? What I mean is. Um, i've never heard um, about the lost legacy of blue eyed Presbyterians or red headed Presbyterians or the lost legacy of left handed Presbyterians. Um, why should we give special attention to black Presbyterians?
3: Well, because the legacy of all those folks that you 've mentioned has actually been written right i mean it's you know the story of Presbyterianism, uh, at least the received story of Presbyterianism. Is the story of white, sometimes blue-eyed, sometimes red-headed, often left-handed, uh, but but <laughs> largely European American Presbyterians, uh, and yet there's this this missing uh, storyline uh, of uh, a significant body uh, within Presbyterianism that, uh, and particularly American Presbyterianism, that has gone untold, and it was one of the things that really. I think struck me forcibly. I mean, going through a PhD program in American Reformed tradition at, at Westminster Theological Seminary, where I studied with D.G. Hart, who, notable American yeah, religious historian, yeah, sure. And at no point did we talk about uh, anything regarding Black Presbyterianism outside of what the Southern Presbyterians thought about slavery uh and yet there's this this notable stream of black presbyterianism uh that contributes to the larger presbyterian story and that's a story that needs to be told
0: um man so i i saw your video the lost legacy i recommend everybody goes to youtube and watches it it's a, it's a really good video just a real quick history for me when i got when i became reformed one of the hardest things for me to do was to to go to um where i just say where i thought sound doctrine was being taught so i came from a charismatic background to this is gonna don't laugh christian missionary alliance which to me at that point looked like calvinist you know <laughs> super reformed geneva it's like oh, i walked wow. into geneva leaving from a charismatic church and one of the things that i i wish that i had known then was just how much i was actually welcome into the reform uh community and so watching your video really opened up just kind of like you know we're not for for black people, you're not coming in here just like in fourth quarter. You've actually been a part of this narrative and this mm. story mm. a long, long time before you ever showed up.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's actually, you know, um, having taught at both Covenant Seminary and Reformed Theological Seminary, uh, for African-American students who who make it to those Reformed seminaries, uh, often they're told that uh, the Reformed and Presbyterian tradition is a white tradition. Uh, that's, that's not our theology, that's not our tradition, they're told. Mm. Uh, and so being able to talk about uh, black Presbyterian leaders like a, a John Gloucester or a Theodore Wright or a Francis Grimke,
1: mm.
3: uh, all uh, uh, thoroughly Reformed. Um, Grimke was one of Charles Hodge's last students at Princeton uh, and was praised by James McCosh, uh, with whom he took classes at Princeton College. Um, so he was he was a full-on, not just five-point Calvinist, but fully subscribed to the Westminster Standards, uh, and yet uh, twice moderator of his presbytery, Washington City Presbytery. I mean, this is a, mm. a story of 50 years of pastoral ministry that needs to be told uh, because it's it's not just—in the end, it is, it's a black Presbyterian story, but it's really our story. That's right. Uh, it, because, you know, we, we all are this thing together, <laughs> yeah. the body of Christ. And so anyways, so yes, I, it's absolute—these are stories that need to be told and championed and cherished in the same breath that we would champion and cherish the stories of a Thornwell or a Dabney or a, or a Palmer.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you is why is it that the historical black church is overarchingly um, Baptistic?
3: yeah well, so part of that's the origin story of the historic black church uh, so historic black church we typically um, historians typically use that uh, that name for about six denominations. Uh, that collectively make up the historic Black Church. So the A.M.E., the African Methodist Episcopal Church, mm-hmm, right. and then A.M.E. Zion um, before the war, uh, Civil War, a Colored Methodist uh, Episcopal Church, and then the National Baptist Convention, the Progressive National Baptist Convention, and the Church of God in Christ. Those right. those six denominations typically make up uh, the historic Black Church. Um, Part of part of the reason why um, the historic Black Church has been largely Methodist slash Baptist is because of the separate organizations that those uh, leaders formed, not not because they wanted to. <laughs> uh, huh. uh, African Americans would have been more than happy to have remained within uh, the Methodist Church and, and the various Baptist conventions, but they were actually forced out, mm-hmm. um, and so richard allen in, in, uh led the formation of the ame in part because african americans uh were forced from the ground floor to the balcony uh, oh, of a particular wow. congregation in new york city and then from the balcony they were being forced to give up their seats from there and so they they left uh at uh, that service and actually went to form their own communion uh, because they basically were told they weren't wanted hmm. um same thing happens with the Baptist tradi- In the Baptist tradition, um, white Baptists don't want Black Baptists in their churches, and if they are in their churches, they want them in the balcony. They want them to remain silent. Right. Uh, and so, it seemed it was deemed better uh, to to basically have yeah. Black missionaries to their own people and mm-hmm. form their own congregations. So, so the separate organizations uh, with African Americans forced out of white churches led to the formation of the historic black church but in presbyterianism that doesn't happen Uh, in presbyterianism uh, black churches are formed within presbyteries and there's really little desire on the part of either whites or blacks for separate a separate presbyterian denomination which makes the presbyterian narrative really interesting because it's it there's this wonderful opportunity on the one side to learn what interracial cooperation could look like Mm. centered on the word of God and the standards. But on the other side, um, because whites aren't willing to listen to their black brothers, their black brothers are constantly calling for justice uh, and for, you know, to live out to the faith that we commonly believe. So it creates a really interesting dynamic within the Presbyterian church.
1: How many, how many um, black Presbyterian churches are there within the PCA?
3: Yeah, so there's, uh, that's a, you know, it's a part of the, the story, right, which is uh, both within mainline Presbyterianism and within conservative Presbyterianism, the PCA and others, um, we've we've not done a good job uh, when it comes to um, loving our African-American brothers well. So in the mainline church, as of 2010, um, there were only 80,000 black Presbyterians in the mainline Presbyterian church. Okay. Um, in, in the PCA, we have uh, 50, 50, around 55 black teaching elders. Um, most of them are either solo pastors, uh, a few assistant pastors, uh, and then uh, several campus ministers with RUF. And that's 55 out of 4,500 approximately. Hmm. So it's it's this this narrative where we've not done well as as if you will as as white leaders uh, giving power away. And listening to our brothers and, 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 and helping them see that, no, actually the Presbyterian story is a, is a black and white story uh, and many other races besides. And so,
0: uh, I'm going to track that down, but I, I want to save that for some of the second segment because there, there's a lot to that right there. Uh, the, the thing that I wanted to ask you, too, was black Presbyterians um, stayed in Presbyterian churches, right? The black Presbyterians that stayed in the Presbyterian churches, it seems like when you look back through history, they weren 't the ones who were engaged in engaging the social um social movements of our culture, like civil rights movements um, same, uh black voting rights movements. They seem to be somewhere else, and it seems most of that is run by black um baptistic uh ministers instead of our black Presbyterian ministers. What in the world did they miss out on that well, that
3: that's certainly true in the twentieth century in the nineteenth century though particularly before the Civil War. Um Black Presbyterian pastors actually were heavily invested in trying to to urge their brothers and sisters on to justice issues and and so particularly when it comes to education, um again, following a Scottish tradition in many ways where church and school go together. Mm-hmm. So black Presbyterian leaders were doing the same thing, urging uh, for their white counterparts both to invest in black churches but also to help support, uh, if we're not going to have integrated schools in the antebellum period, at least let's raise up uh, schools where young men especially, but, but but young men and young women, but young men especially can be equipped um, educationally to be uh, workers, but also pastors. Mm. Uh, and so uh, men like Theodore Wright uh, would be heavily invested uh, in starting what were called uh, Phoenix schools. Uh, he started this thing called the Phoenix Society, uh, where um, the Phoenix Society started these Phoenix schools that provided elementary education to young African Americans,
1: mm.
3: uh, and then from there could pursue yeah. co- collegiate level education uh, at schools that were provided, like the Oneida Institute. Mm. Um, so, so yes, I mean they're they're not necessarily involved in voter rights, but that's because in the antebellum period, particularly, you know, that wasn't even Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
3: Is, you know, really, the question is more education, and then mm-hmm. you know, journalism is another area. Samuel Cornish, who yeah. founded the first Black Presbyterian church in New York City, also started the first Black newspaper called Freedom's Journal. Yeah, uh, and and would start two other newspapers: the Rights of All and the Colored American.
0: Moses, so they, yeah, they, yeah, s- go ahead.
3: Yeah, so they were both for uh, pastoring their churches, but also active civically in those ways.
0: What was the purpose for Cornish starting the newspaper? I remember you talking about that in one of your lectures.
3: Yeah, so Freedom's Journal, um, you know, the main communication device for 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 all Americans uh, were the newspapers, and so it wasn't unusual <laughs> for for Presbyterians to have their own newspapers. Um, you know, so in Virginia in the 19th century, you could subscribe certainly to the Richmond Inquirer, the, which was a, a Calhoun Democrat paper, but you could also get the same news with a religious bent in the Central Presbyterian. Um, and so the same thing's happening uh, in New York with Cornish. He starts his newspaper, Freedom's Journal. On the one side, it provides news that you could access in other places, but he also uses the columns to rebut. Um, the racist attacks from other New York City newspapers upon Blacks and especially Black Presbyterians, and especially he used it to refute the arguments of the American Colonization Society. Hmm. Um, The American Colonization Society had a number of Presbyterian leaders involved, uh, and of course, the idea was to uh, purchase the freedom of slaves and then ship them to Africa. Right. Uh, and Cornish's point was, no, we don't want to go back to Africa <laughs> because we're not Africans. Yeah. We're yeah. Americans. We're born here. We're, we're born, born here, here now. Raised here. here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: This is our country. We don't want to leave it. And uh, so, so Freedom's Journal uh, served as a, a way of rebutting those arguments.
2: As as you've studied this, Doctor Lucas, um, I'm curious what um Presbyterianism brings with it this deep uh, you 've already referenced the Scottish history behind it but a, a confessional heritage um, that that it thinks broadly about you know all of life um, under the lordship of jesus um how does how does the the, the legacy of um, the civil rights sort of as as it was being um, explored and built out in confessional Presbyterianism? Are there any unique things about that that we need to learn from for today?
3: Yeah, well, I think particularly um, on the, if you will, the white Presbyterian side of the spirituality of the church doctrine uh, has at least Southern Presbyterians of the 19th century tried to root their understanding of the spirituality of the church doctrine in prior Scottish understandings. So Stuart Robinson who was uh, a significant theologian in the Southern Church in Kentucky um, during the Civil War, particularly tried to justify his his uh, stance of neutrality when it came to speaking to issues related to the war back in a prior Scottish understanding, hmm. um, but the spirituality of the Church doctrine, uh, which basically is the idea that the mission of the church is spiritual uh, the church should not speak to issues that are either uh, political or social. Uh, and that then became the 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 way that Southern Presbyterians avoided talking about race. Two kingdoms. Um, yeah. yeah, So yes, a, a basis that has a uh, it in its most extreme forms can be taken to a two kingdoms perspective. Um, yeah.
2: You know, so that's that a lesson we should. To- we should not do that. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to follow that example. I- <laughs>
3: Yeah. So, I mean, spiritually, spirituality, the church became a way of kind of justifying slavery before the war and then justifying segregation after the war, not so much explicitly, but, but implicitly by saying, no, this is a social issue. We can't talk about it. Mm. Um, so, so black Presbyterians they pushed against that and said, no way, actually justice is, it's a Bible issue. (laughs) It's, it's in Micah, it's in Amos, uh, it's in Mm. Jesus, it's in Paul. Um, and so this is not a, you know, it's not some kind of add on. It's right there in the pages of scripture and it's actually right there in the confession, uh, and in the catechisms, which talk to issues, which speak to issues of, of justice all the way through. Um, so, so, Spirituality of the church gets understood in a different fashion uh, in Black Presbyterianism, and yet there is a spirituality of a, do- a spirituality of the church doctrine there too. It's just a recognition that um, that while it comes to specific policies, perhaps the church shouldn't speak to specific policies, but when it comes to issues of race and justice, the Bible has tons to say about that, and it would be wrong not to speak on those issues.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I um well I, I even think we have something to say on some of the policy stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but when we come back sure. more with Dr. Lucas, uh I, I wanna ask him why the uh, evangelicalism is marked as the new white devil. Maybe he has an answer for that. Yeah, right? <laughs> when we come back on cross politics, get ready Dr. Lucas. You got some explaining to do <laughs>
2: Classical Conversations supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local, like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical. Christian. Get connected. Get community. I'm a...
3: 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're
0: ready to stand up for the truth.
1: I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate
3: broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of christ
1: for more information visit us online at (laughs) nsa.edu
2: Across Politics. It's Black History Month. Special edition. Oh, it is is Black History Month. Oh, you didn't know? (laughs) You didn't know why we were doing this? This episode is brought to you by Black History Month. (laughs) (laughs) And with us today, we got the the good Dr. Sean Lucas uh, bringing us up to speed on the lost legacy of black Presbyterians. Chocolate Knox is not the only one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's,
2: there's more. No, no, not there's more. no, no. I want to pick this up. I, we, we, right before the break. Yeah. Um, I asked this question about you know, you know, and, and Dr. Lucas points out the spirituality of the church ends up becoming this thing that's it becomes a justification then for not caring about justice, which just seems real. As you were talking, Dr. Lucas, it just seems so strange and bizarre given the historic roots of Presbyterianism, yeah. rooted mm-hmm. in. Like massive, like political unrest in England and Scotland, <laughs> yeah, right. Fight, fighting for the rights of common people, mm-hmm. justice issues. You know, the English Civil War, the Westminster Confession of Faith comes out of. We're built on this. This right, yeah. and then of course the you know people um, running across the Atlantic to the United States to found this new country. You know, many of the leading generals of the Revolutionary Army were Presbyterian ministers um fighting for the rights i mean what what happened where did we where did we lose that um that understanding of yes the church is spiritual but the church touches down the t- the church is cared it cares about um it cares about the things of this world it cares about justice and mercy what what happened do you think
3: yeah so i i think part of what happened is that yeah you know, west Virginia confession of faith thirty one four which is the confessional paragraph uh in which the spirituality church finds its 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 basis um, i mean it was origin it was originally written as you guys point out in the context of an assembly that was actually called by the state in order to establish That's a right. new state religion
2: right yeah. um
3: and And yet when it comes to America in a, in an atmosphere of church state separation, and in fact, church disestablishment that, that church state separation, I think gets read back into the document so that, so that church state disestablishment or church state separation actually gets read as faith life separation, um, Mm. in ways that are just extremely unhelpful. Uh, and so, uh, when it comes into the 19th century, um, Southern Presbyterians, particularly, use the spirituality of the church doctrine very strategically um, to, mm. you know, to ad- to avoid addressing issues related to slavery, segregation, and race. But they're they're more than happy to to ignore spirituality of the church when it fits their. Purposes, Like, for example, um, from the 1880s all the way through the, the Volstead Act, which was the constitutional amendment that banned the manufacture and sale of beverage alcohol, right. Southern Presbyterians repeatedly in their General Assembly uh, approved o- overtures and declarations in support of national prohibition. Oh, wow. Um, but where was the spirituality of the church then? Yeah, right.
2: You know? uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know?
3: I mean, so, I and mean, there's other examples like that throughout Presbyterian, conservative Presbyterian history, Weird. where ch- denominations that defended spirituality of the church conveniently forgot it when it was an issue they cared about, whether it was teaching of evolution or more recently in the PCA uh, um, abortion we've certainly spoken on abortion homosexuality we've spoken on public policy issues related to homosexuality but but even when in 2015 and 16 when we went through the process of confessing our our covenantal relationship in the sins of the 1960s there were a number of folks who who would were trying to deploy the spirit of the church at that point say no we we don't really have anything to say to those issues, which just struck me so odd mm. uh, and really I think is a misapplication well, of the spirituality of the church.
2: One of the questions that we've kicked around as we've worked on this here at this podcast is it, it, one of the concerns we have is, I mean, we, we're very much concerned with issues of justice, issues of racial reconciliation, um, and, and it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the key, it's one of the themes that we, we come back to over and over again. At the same time, we're also aware of the fact that we live in a world and a culture um, that is constantly trying to press its, press the church into its mold right. uh, and, and over right. and over again, um, you know the, the world is, is sets an agenda, and then a lot of times the church then scrambles to sort of keep up with the agenda and and if the world says okay you can care about this then the church comes along running you know johnny come lately yeah. oh yeah we care we care oh we de- we des- we desegregate now we des- okay okay everybody desegregate desegregate but but it, but it ends up being this this you know we are we're rather than us being salt and light and leading the way we end up you know taking you know we 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 join the crusade yeah. once the the world tells it's is it's okay and 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 so, I guess I have one question I have for you then, Doctor Lucas, is okay. I'm we're all about we you know we know there's there's racial sin in this country. We know that it, it we need to repent. We know that we need to be the body of Christ. Um, you know there that you know water is thicker than blood. Um, you know the blood of Jesus is what unites us all together. Amen. But how do we how do we fight this? How do we join? How do we how do we join our voices to this in a way though that doesn't cede the authority? to the world because the world right now is telling us of course that racism is the worst sin in the world i mean that's what that's what the our pagan overlords right now are telling us that you know white supremacy is like the worst most heinous sin ever it's perfectly fine you know for two guys to shack up but if you're a white supremacist you know you're burning in hell forever and black supremacy is amazing and black supremacy is totally cool yeah um but so i mean this is the world we live in, and it's like, and we have to be faithful here, which means that we can't, you know, we can't pretend away sins that are really are there. But how do we address these things in a faithful way that doesn't cede authority to the world? Does that make sense? What I'm asking?
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I think you know, as Christians, um, part of the problem really has been that we, as Christians, we've not, we've not dealt—at least in America—we've not dealt well with this. And so, at some level, uh, we are, honestly, Johnny-come-lately, and yet God, in his mercy, um, you know, used uh, religious leaders, like a Dr. King or a um, Reverend James Lawson, um, who doctrinally probably wouldn't pass muster in a Presbyterian church, and yet he, God undoubtedly used them mm-hmm. to, to raise this issue and to appeal to the consciences of white Christians, to say wait you're you're not living into your theology now that now that we our consciences are pricked now we have to take the lead so that it's not we're not reactive but to say you know Ephesians 2 is right the cross has torn down the dividing wall between white and black, and the blood of Jesus is our only hope on this issue. But God is creating one new humanity, and it's only in the church that this is going to happen. My friend Russ Whitfield, who's a PCA pastor in Washington, D.C., he, he says that cross-centeredness is the only way for cross-cultural mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's exactly right. Um, and so the, the problem is is that we go and i mean the white majority and particular you know I'll just use my own camp the pca we tend to do this in fits and starts so instead of being consistent that no this is we this is not like a one off or this is you know the issue of the day but this is who we are you know uh, we we want to lean into uh the church of revelation 7 you know the new heavens new earth church yeah. that's the church we're already part of and we need to see that now yeah. uh at some level we'll never be perfect but but we need to to see that now and that that means we have to be intentional um and in working towards those, uh, towards or towards realizing that that vision. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a, a certain kind of intentionality where we have to say we've we've not done well with this, but God helping us, we will do better with it now.
1: Yeah, and I, I think um, the way I've taken uh, Toby's question and how I've kind of um, worked through it is: it seems to me that the probably the biggest problem with the church, if I was going to kind of narrow it down to three areas, um, and this isn't just the PCA, I grew up in the PCA, I'll just say this is kind of American church general, um, is that there's been a lack of moral aptitude in our church leadership, and then mm-hmm. i would say number two, um, we have a real father problem in our churches, and i would say number three, um, how we disciple, how we educate our kids. Um, but go back to number one, it it seems to me especially on this this issue of race is that our church um in the u.s and even in the pca so i was a a three i was a member of three different pca churches in three different states and um that everywhere i went there was some sort of moral failure of church leadership which Mm -hmm. created i think you know i was just thinking when i was thinking about this topic i was thinking how could the pca 30 40 years ago identify and break off from the PCUSA church over liberalism. How could they do that? And see the right they can, they knew where this this river was floating. And 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 this is even before the PCUSA got this extreme that we not. know. But then they then they can't identify, you know, segregation and the sin of racism and their own segregation of policies at the same time. This at is the a, same yeah, yeah. time. This all happened at the same time. And 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 I and I, and I, yeah. and I think it's because this is this is my I guess kind of my only stab at this is because our the leadership in my own denomination my own PCA is somehow morally compromised because we can't see things clearly. Um, yeah.
3: No, I think that's a I think that's a good analysis. You know, you know it's basically what I tried to argue in my history of the PCA uh for continuing church uh which you know, the context, the larger context in which the PCA is birthed is, um, is this kind of, it's the same worldview that ultimately shapes modern American political conservatism. It's anti-communism, mm. Mm. anti-integration, and anti-centralization. Mm. Um, and so these, these things come together and they have, they're bound together by a, a, a conservative religion, the conservative religion holds it together, but those three prongs, um. They really that really is the world view so at some level um, uh, the generations leading up to 1973 were culturally captive and and they were they had this huge blind spot when it came to issues of race um, that um, they that they were culpable for I think but um, and I would say uh, but yet it, it was the case so you had this this strange amalgamation uh, or intertwining of Christian religion, or conservative religion, politics, and social mores that that was largely unexamined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the big question for us today is always when we do this kind of cross-cultural work and we look back over time and we say, how in the world could that happen? It's to always be asking the question, okay, so where are cultural blind spots today? Right. You, know, mm-hmm. our, you know, I mean, it seems as though the younger generation the, of evangelicals and even PCA folk, um, have gotten tired of the culture wars, particularly in relationship to abortion. And so there's been a tendency to downplay talking about abortion and, yeah. and rather focusing on other issues, whether race or immigration. Or, well, we need to talk about race and immigration, but but we also have to be for the unborn. <laughs>
1: yeah. right. Right.
3: right. And that, that gets to that issue that you were talking about, about kind of how, do we have a moral... Uh, aptitude, you know, uh, an ethical commitment to the law of God working out in a life. Uh, that that's the thing we have to keep working. It's not either or; it's a both and. So,
1: so we had um on, we we did a live show with uh, uh pastor Doug Wilson and Vody Bacham. two two pastoral figures who are not really looked at as um uh you know Vody has a white card now. He, he the black church doesn't really look to him for. Any, any guidance and leadership. And, and Pastor Wilson has written on slavery in a kind of an unfavorable way on this issue. And so they've been disregarded on this topic. We had him on our show, and one of the questions that we asked him, I, I thought it was one of the most productive discussions I ever had on church and race. And one of the questions we asked him was to, to Vody, what are the sins of the white people in all this? And then the pastor, Doug, we asked him, what are the sins of the black people? So we flipped. We spent most of the we show. We wanted to angry
0: the, make the whole we, internet angry. Yeah. We, we just, just wanted want to blow the whole take, thing we up. We want to
1: take everybody off. Yeah. Um, we'd spent most of the time, Vody had spent most of the time talking about the sins of black people, and Doug had spent most of the time talking about the sins of white people in this whole, in this whole issue. And then we flipped that on him at the end. And I thought, mm. um, and I thought that was a, an interesting way to, to, to handle the issue because like, we've actually spent most of the time talking about the sins of white PCA. Sure. On this show, right here, right now, yeah. Um, and and I think there's a lot of responsibility because we've kind of held most of the leadership positions on this subject when it comes up. Um, so I I, right. I I have no problem emphasizing that that discussion. Um, but also in all this, it seems like there is a real kind of sin of 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 the blacks in the, on this issue, um, and the, and I don't see much discussion and accountability being held on on our black brothers and sisters on this issue also. I mean, even Lecrae recently came out and said, I'm leaving white evangelicalism.
0: Yeah. How divisive is that? Well, the evangelicalism he's talking about, I leave too.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And that, and I think that gets even to the whole issue. What, I mean, you know, and lots of folks have been talking about it. And of course, since I was one of Daryl Hart's students, I mean, I'm well-trained in thinking, what is evangelicalism? Right, right, yeah, right, really Kind of a construct of sorts. And, yeah. and yeah, I mean, if, if if Robert Jeffers is white evangelicalism, I'm not bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's so, right. I'm with Lecrae. So, um, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I think that point's well taken. Uh, so uh, one of the things, when my previous church, I was in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Uh, And one of the beautiful things God did there was um, interracial partnership between our church, First Presbyterian Church, and Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. And out of that, we we pulled a number of white and black pastors together um, for lunch. And and I remember talking to one of uh, my black pastor colleagues, and um, he was actually – his church worshipped in the old First Presbyterian Church. We sold our building to his church Hmm. and then moved – uh, west, uh, as the city was moving west. And, uh, but I, I, talked to him about the possibility, Hey, it would be great to do a joint service in this, in you alls space, which is the old first press space. I think it would be, be great for us. It'd be, uh, you know, yeah. and he said, well, I'm for it, but it's going to take a lot of work with my people to get there. And it was one of those first kind of aha moments that said, Oh, wait, this isn't just a my folk issue. Yeah. <laughs> this is a his folk issue too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and it was helpful to kind of remember that. I, I think though we, uh, just speaking as a white Presbyterian pastor, I I don't think I can let my people off the hook. Recognizing that, you know, it's one of the things that um, Ligan Duncan said when we were working our way through the racial reconciliation overture process. In the PCA, you know, he said, we, as white guys, we have to keep apologizing until our black brother said, all right, you got it. That's enough. You know, yeah. we, we believe you. Let's go forward. And, uh, and I, I found that helpful, um, as a way of kind of having a mindset. Um, because I, I, another friend of mine, Dolphus Weary, he, he, he said, Sean, black people, we don't want to go back there either. <laughs> we don't yeah. want to go back to the past. Yeah. It's yeah. way too painful. Yeah. But. We will take you by the hand and go back there to make sure that you understand it. And once we're convinced you understand it, then let's go forward together. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, to me, I think that's a really good word also.
0: I, I really love John Ligon Duncan and, you know, far be it for me to disagree with them on, on on anything. But I really have to disagree with them on that. Mm. I mean, because mm. and for me as a Christian brother. If a brother apologizes to me, then I forgive him 70 times seven and, and and so on. You know, if he even tried to put me in slavery again, he says, I'm sorry, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say I forgive you and we're going to move on. I don't think that it's fair to try and put somebody. If my son um, gets offended by his sister and he's like, you know, and she's like, I just fucking like need to say sorry a thousand times until he forgives until me. Until you understand. Well, no, not at understand. all. It's his sin now. It's his sin that he's not sure. forgiving his sister his brother his blood his family and 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 for the body we're tied together with something much more than just blood we're tied together by the bond of mm, jesus christ amen. and his blood yeah. so if a brother comes to you says yeah. i'm sorry then you drop it and you say man you know what i sin too i deserve the same thing you deserve but we both at the foot of the cross you know what i mean and so like i yeah. I, I hear that a lot but it's like no th- there's a responsibility to forgive your brother because of the gospel, yeah, yeah. you know, and they don't have to tell you how sorry they are. You forgive them, even if they don't ask you to forgive them. You know yeah. what I mean? Because we're but, Christians.
3: Yeah, I think that's a. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think probably part of what Lig was getting at. Um, with, don't, don't tell him, know, him I sometimes. said this, by the
0: way. Don't, 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 don't tell hey, him, don't, him I said this. Don't relate no to No, no, son. don't, don't <laughs> make sure he listens to it so he hears all that. Uh, <laughs> Please don't tell I, him. <laughs> I think
3: I do think that probably what – and I, I experienced this and heard this as we went through that process in 2015 2016 is that uh, there were a lot of guys, um, a lot of our elders, teaching elders and ruling elders who, just sad to say, were not ready to confess
1: you know they were not ready
3: to say they you know they were do we have to do this again and i was like well one time would be good um because we what? we apologize for 1861 but 1961 when most of us you know when the founders were around you know we didn't talk about that and so i i think probably what he was getting at is you know is there a heartfelt sense of i, I really am sorry you know, I do see my covenantal participation in this. You know, I, yes, I wasn't alive, but, but I have benefited from my founding, you know, my predecessors, my ancestors, you know, who, who did this and said this. I, I mean, the church I serve now, I mean, the reason why we're called Independent Presbyterian Church is because we were founded in 1965 out of Second Pres here in Memphis, uh, as a result of the Neelands, um, mm-hmm. white and black students from Rhodes College came and tried to integrate the services at Second Pres. They were, they were kept away. In 1965, the session changed their policy at Second Pres to admit people, regardless of race and color. Uh, and uh, in response to that, 230 people left, including uh, half of the elders, to form Independent Presbyterian Church. mm mm-hmm. um, our church had in its bylaws until 1983 that we would operate on a segregated basis. Wow! So, so I mean, this isn't like
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. this is real. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. All
0: right. So, uh, and, to, and I think some of this to, too is
2: it's hard to. I mean i i didn't I didn't grow up in the South. Right. Yeah, right. No, I, right. And, I, and I just like like this is I, I just don't like know these. Things. I don't have any yeah. categories for this. Well, that,
0: that's what goes. With what I'm about to say now. Yeah. Yeah, this question here is. You were talking about in your Lost Legacy video. This is I want to hit on that. Okay, As Lost Legacy video. You said that Black Presbyterians have a hard time making their way in white structures of of uh, the PCA, right? The Presbyterianism. Yeah, and I think a lot of white people hear that and like, "Whoa, dude, what are you talking about? We're biblical. This ain't about whiteism." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this isn't about structure we, have, no, we yeah. didn't get together and say hey what's our white structure because we want to be different than no. those black guys You know, no, no, no. no one drew that up and so a lot of people are hearing that and, and and because they're not from the south they don't have that tension that's there like just in 2012 people don't know a uh, uh, high school in Mississippi had their first integrated black prom like this is serious issues yeah. here <laughs> right, right, you know right. um, so a lot of people hear that and they're shocked so what do you, what do you mean by like white structures yeah what is that
3: well yeah, so I mean, the our the PCA uh, until two years ago, we, we had never had uh, a, a minority race person as the chairman of the Overtures Committee. We had never had a minority race person as chairman of the Nominations Committee. Um, certainly, never had anyone but white guys as moderator of the General Assembly. Uh, and so, it's a, it was a structure uh, in which. Um, the the leadership positions the key positions were held by people who look just like me
0: on purpose um
3: i think i don't know i don't think there was an intentionality um, but i think there was you know at some level yes it's natural that you know we 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 think oh who would be good for this position? well my friend over here or this prominent you know large steeple pastor guy or whatever um, the good old boy network. But, <laughs> yeah, it becomes yeah. an old boy, or I used to, I ca- when I served in Mississippi, I called it the old Mississippi way.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah.
3: the the current governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, is the first governor of Mississippi who was, a, who was not a graduate from either Ole Miss or Mississippi State.
1: Hmm. So wow. 200
3: years of history, every yep. governor either went to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Wow. Yep. Um, Phil went to Southern Miss which was kind of, it's little brother of A little those two schools scandalous. <laughs> and but that's because that's how, that's how it works, yeah. you know? And that's how it worked within the church, within the, within the PCA. How how, you know, do, thankfully, you,
2: how, how
3: do you, that's dis- changed.
2: Yeah. Though. Yeah. How do you distinguish though, between, so on the one hand, people that are intentionally, you know, disqualifying people because of the color of their hair, or the color of their skin or whatever, I mean, this where they're from or where they went to college. Obviously. Okay. That's, that's not just, it's not at all. It's not just, but, on the other hand, how do you avoid turning, you know, affirming doing something kind of like affirmative action in the church? <laughs> Where, like now you have like sure. qu- quotas. Like we need to make sure that we have, you know, three African moderators and, you know, three. Oh, David's something. black grab him. Yeah and, yeah, and then and then like yeah, and, and which is as I mean that's disrespectful. I mean it's that's yeah, that's well, unjust I, too. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, but I mean, on the other hand, um I mean, if you have two guys um who are equally, you know, qualified,
1: yeah.
3: Um the 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 tendency has been in the PCA to, you know, are you going to choose the guy with the last name Kim uh or Park or, you know, or are you going to choose the other guy? What we've typically done is choose the other guy. And so at that. some I've level, seen. how do we, how yeah, do we, how do we become a church where, um, at least periodically doesn't have to be all the time, but periodically everyone has someone in leadership that says, Oh, he's like me. I mean, to me, that's one of the cool things that I'm so excited for this weekend with Black Panther coming out because all of my African-American friends are so excited. Here you have an, uh, you know, pretty much an all black cast, um, and, and they're heroes. And, yeah. and, you know, there here are, are people bad guys. who look like me, and yeah. it, they're not bad guys. yeah, yeah. they're heroes. And, and so to me, you know, to have like Erwin Entz, uh, African-American teaching elder, who's the first man, black man to chair the Overtures Committee. I mean, that was just so significant. Or, or Alex Jun, who was the first uh, Korean-American, first minority to be yeah. moderator of the General Assembly, a ruling elder from uh, California. Yeah, to me, Brown. that was really important so
0: you know one of the things that and you brought up black panther i hope you got your dashiki ready to go up to the theater opening night um (laughs) but i'm I'm gonna lose my black card on this one. that's okay (laughs) i've I've lost it many times over but hey i'm raising my kids to to love the lord so i don't care but one of the things that, that scares me and since you brought up black panther is that i see black panther and i see all my black brothers and sisters excited about this film and yet when you step back and look at it you see the homosexual movement behind it and you see um uh Mm. feminism that's kind of tucked into this trojan horse so you accept all this blackism on the front of it and you're so excited about what's going on and then you got hollywood on the other side stuffing this pig full of feminism and homosexuality and now you got to eat the whole thing and that's what scares me about some of this is that yes we want to do that but what's getting brought in what's the trojan horse of this too that we need to be aware of and so I, I don't want to be yeah. so excited about something and then miss out and say, oh, man, we really shot ourselves in the foot there.
2: Yeah. You know, so. And, and that's what I see. That's what I see yeah. happening with. I mean, uh, Dr. Lucas was mentioning earlier that you got this uh, a lot of the, the younger generation getting tired of the culture war stuff. And, and and just and this I think I see tons of them jumping on this social justice warrior train. Which that, we need to be on. But, well, what, well, which not, which not, we not, need not, to deal with. I don't, we, don't want to be on that train. We need yeah. to deal with social justice, no uh, doubt. Absolutely. Right, but but I want to do it by biblical standards. Yeah, Fully biblical standards. I want to do it because Jesus says we've got to do it. It's yeah. obedience to the law, and, and it's justice. Not, But there's a social justice warrior train yeah. that's taking you somewhere you don't want to go. And I think they want to be, in the same way, as biblical as we are, but I don't think that they're always
0: seeing what's right. underneath all of that. that they're. That, that, know, that, I, I agree completely. Going, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah wow Dr. Yes. Lucas uh, thank you so much for your time we ran over time and you've been very kind yeah, thank, you thank you so, so, much, you so much. much please
0: go check out Dr. Lucas's video Tell the Truth on YouTube um, is there any books that
1: yeah. he's got coming out or anything Dr.
0: Dr. Lucas Lewis? what's your latest book
3: so the last book was For Continuing Church the Roots of the Presbyterian Church in America it came out in 2015
0: okay, okay. go well, get it go get it check it out until next week love God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength love your neighbor as yourself go fight laugh and feast This is Cross